Let's start our discussion of Parshas Miketz, Tavshin Ayin Gimel, uh, which hopefully will uh, begin and end with Hanukkah as well, as this week is Shabbos Hanukkah. Start off with a small thought from the Elahe Moadai, which you have in source number one. Pasuk says, actually the uh, source says, Bepermu be Hanukkah, Amar HaMashkiach, HaTzadik, Rameir Chadash, Anamodim HaMahalam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we add in special tefillos, Shivos uh, Tzishbachos, this time of year, and... Especially Alanisim, as we know in Shmon Esrei and in Benching, we add an Alanisim. Ube'emes line three, Al Adam was boning. Person has to think about Shari Bachol Yom Bayom. Right, the concept of Hodah, the concept of giving thanks to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, really is every day of our lives. And yet, all of a sudden, on Chanukah, on Purim, on these rabbinic holidays, then we have a special addition, a Hosafa, Alanisim. And if I would ask you, Esrei Meir Chadash, which is greater? The regular modim that we say, modim anach mulach, when we, when we, when we acknowledge and we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything He gives us, versus Alanisim. Alanisim is very special, we add it in. Says the Mashgiach, the modim that we say every day, we have to realize, is even more important than the extra Alanisim that we add on. Because after all, we know the halacha, if we forget Alanisim, we don't have to repeat Shmon Asrei. If one forgets modim, you have to repeat Shmon Asrei. Modem anachnulach, the modem that we say every day, we have to realize that that is even more crucial. The thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for every single day of our lives. I think we've quoted in the past the beautiful thought from Mephutner. Mephutner notes that the word modeh in Hebrew can mean two things. Modeh can mean to admit. Modeh b'miksas, you admit to part. Ani modeh lecha. Or modeh can mean to thank. Todah What's the connection between the two and how do you know which one means when one word means admit, one word means thank. So if Hunter says, the first step of thanking someone is to admit that I can't do it by myself, that I need the other being, that I need the other person. So I, first I have to admit, and then I could thank. And how do you know? You know by what's right afterwards. If it's modim sheh, you, you don't thank that. You thank, you, you admit that. Modim al is thanking on something. You don't admit on something. So it says Rav Hunter, beautiful, that's what we say every day when we say modem. Modem anachnulach, that first word in modem does not mean to thank, because what do we say? Modem anachnulach, she'atahu Hashem alokeinu. We admit that, Hashem, you are the source of all. No delacha, al chayenu ha-masurim biyadecha. V'yal nishmosin ha-bekudoslach. We have modem right afterwards. So first we have admit that, that Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge, and then we have no al, we thank Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he gives us, he gives us everything. Good. Okay, that gets us going in terms of realizing that, yes, this is the yantif of Hoda'a, but it is also, we have a, a, a motivational day that we have to realize that every day of our lives we have to give Hoda'a. And that's why the first word we say when we wake up in the morning, the first word, Rapinkus points us out, the first word is not Ani, it's Mode. Moda ani, the first word we say every day because we acknowledge that is a basic human trait. And that's why we're called Yehudim. From the word Yehuda, Hapamodas Hashem. A few weeks ago we read it in the Parsha. But that is what Al-Khanak is all about, is about realizing everything that Baruch Hu gives us. And the Hoda'ah that we have to give him special for what happened on Hanukkah, but that hopefully reminds us of the modim that we have to say every single day of our lives. Okay, let's now get into a couple of thoughts related to Parshas Miketz. So we have the story, we have the, we have the dreams at the beginning of the parsha. Last week we had Yosef's dreams and the Saramashkim's dreams and this week we have Paro's dreams. 
But we're not going to focus on that this year. But if you look towards the uh, towards the end of that discussion, in Perak Mem Aleph, Pasik Nun Aleph, right before Pasik Nun, right before Ravi, Uli Yosef Yulat Shnei Banim, Terem Tavosh Nasaraav. Yosef has two sons. Right? We know Yosef's sons who later are elevated and promoted to Shvatim. Right? They are born. Vayikra Yosef as Shem Habachar Minashe. Yosef's firstborn is called Menashe. Why did he call his firstborn Menashe? Hashem has helped me forget all of my difficulties. The is called base avi, and have helped me forget my father's house. That's interesting. He wanted to forget his father's house. Okay, that's the first name. That's Shem Hasheni, as we know, the younger son, Kara Ephraim. He calls him Ephraim, Ki Ephrani Elokim Be'erasani. Hashem has helped me become, multi- multiply and become great in, in this land. Menashe and Ephraim. A couple of questions that are asked, some more well known than others. First question that is asked by a number of Mepharshim, I gave it to you from Rav Yosef Bechem Yekornitzer. We haven't had it in a couple of weeks. Read the last rub in Krakow, who gave this drasha in Tough Reish Pei Gimel. You saw in source number two. This is a drasha that he gave in Krakow, Tough Reish Pei Gimel. Says of Yosef Nechemia, why is the order of the sons as it is? First Menashe and then Ephraim. First he thanks Hashem that everything's forgotten and then Ephraim Hashem. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Hashem, thank you for, for giving me everything here and helping me be a success here. And by doing that, you have helped me get over all the trials and tribulations that I have gone through. First, Ephraim, that should be the name of the firstborn. Hashem has helped him succeed in Egypt. And after that, through the success that HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped him, so then, Kinashani Elohim Ali. Right, that's what happened first. Question one. Right, shame Rishon, line line uh, four. Yipalabaza, shame Harishon, Hayalolikra Ephraim, Aki Ephraim Number one, number two. The question we alluded to: What he's happy that he forgot his father? We're going to remember, remind ourselves in a minute. Did he forget his father? Okay, the first phrase is as Kalamali, his hardships. The Elko Beitavi, Yosef wants to forget Beitavi. Kiba Nashav Eshkichu Elokim is Beitaviv. So, says Rabbi Yosef Nechem, you know there's something deeper going on here. Vahanir Lefarish, says Rabbi Yosef Nechem, as he always does, very creatively. Line 7. Ki be'emes, gitzro shal adam misgaber yom. The more successful a person is, says the Gemara in Sukkah, the greater the Eitzahara a person gets. Right, the greater I feel about myself, and the more I, it's, it's, uh, the, I come closer to being a Balgaiva. The more success I have, the more I want to take credit for myself. So imagine Yosef Atzadik. Yosef Atzadik is the only one in a land of of Toeva, in a land of such abominable actions where everybody was involved in it. He was the only one in Mitzrayim. And imagine what happened in jails. Jails aren't the places where there's the greatest of, of behaviors. And he was sitting there in jail. Yosi was the only one. Imagine the difficulty and the nisyonos that he had. Imagine. Right? We say, in, uh, even the Gemara says in Yuma, which we mentioned in the past, 
Right? If somebody says, you know, I have a greater Yetzirah, I couldn't do it, Hashem. The same Gemara with Hillel. If somebody says, you weren't as poor as Hillel, you weren't as you weren't, you didn't have as great a Yetzirah as Yosef Atzadik. Because Yosef, imagine what he went through. Asher HaKol Midrak Kafragel Oivim Monisyonos. Everywhere he looked, there were trials and tribulations. Umi Kalshikain. And not only was it difficult there, and he was the only one, but he was successful. And imagine, as we just said, the more successful we get, the more success we feel. It's very easy to give it to my Yitzhahara. So how do I, as I succeed in life, how do I take precautions? How could I be Roa as Hanolad? What can I do to protect myself? What can I conjure up in my mind to help me remember to control myself in these difficult situations? Says of Yosef Nechemi, there's two things. There's two things that we can focus on to protect ourselves from the Eight Sahara as we continue with our successes. Line 15. How could he be mischazik himself? He says two ways. Rishon. First, Tchila, Hachova Allah, Vime Gadulaso, Lizkartamid, Yime Anyo Umarudo. Number one, the more successful we get to always remember when it was harder, when it was more difficult. Remember the hard times. When somebody has success financially, you want to know how not the eight you can be protected? To remember when it wasn't so great financially. When somebody, Baruch Hashem, has, has success in their chinuch to remember earlier when they didn't have as much success. To always remember the difficult times when we have success. Ukamama Shlomo, like Shlomo says in Kohelas, Biyom Tova Haya Batov, Ubiyom Ra Ra'a, Klomash Yutamid Lenegade Nafha Amal, Vahapart Kaot, the adventures, Adu Alabiyamim Avru. Number one, to remember that things weren't always so great. Only if we remember the difficulties earlier can we properly, right? That is why at the Seder, Right, the chiyav is maschil begnusu misayim b'shvach because we don't want it to go to our heads. We don't want to think that we did it ourselves. We went out of misrayim. No maschil begnus. We have to remember the hardships. Start off with the difficulties. Number one, to remember the difficult earlier times. Number two, what's the second way for me to protect myself in terms of my spiritual status? <laughs> Line twenty-five is oshenis sarach sheyit tamid neged enav zichron meisah avos to think about my forefathers, to think about my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents and what they lived for and how they lived and what they would want me to do in this situation. When I think about the previous generations, Umaisa Tzadikim Sharabi Yamam Sha'avru, right? The Tanit Veliyo, Chayib Adam Lomar, Masa Yagiyu Masa the Masa Yavosai. We always have to ask, have I reached the level of my, of the previous generations, of the, of the Gedolim, in our, in one's personal family, in, in the national family of Klal Yisrael? We have to look back generations and realize the level they were on and try to reach for the stars. So, one has to, number one, remember the more difficult times in their own lives, when they have a success, and number two, to think back to the earlier generations of our forefathers and to realize what they what they believed in and their value system and try to inculcate that in myself. And we find that by Yosef. Right? We have in this week's in, in last week's parsha with Aisha's Potiphar. Right? What does Chazal say? Based on the Gemara, he was a, was a being falling prey and he sees his father's face in the window. He feeds the Demustiokno. So he 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 was able to 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 protect himself in that way. 
Says Rabbi Yosef Nechemia, last point, and then he answers, brings it all home. These protections are needed both to think of the lowly status I originally had and to think of my forefathers and what my parents and my grandparents would want me to do. That's needed when I'm by myself. Last line. When I'm by myself, I need that. But when somebody is Zohar to have a child, then there's a much clearer reason why a person has to tr- stay true to his Mesorah. And somebody has to be strong in their beliefs. Why? Because if I'm not strong, and if I don't keep to what I believe in, then my children, I can forget it. It doesn't matter what my child sees outside the house. If in the house he doesn't have a role model, he doesn't have somebody who he, who he, he or she could look up to, then it's all, it's all finished. If he has a child, a parent would be even more careful. You know, if a, par- if a father is not so careful about, about setting aside time for learning when, when, the, when they're alone, when they first get married, once they have the child and the child starts realizing like what his father does in his free time, the father, the father better shape up or else the kid's going to ship out. Every every father wants the child to have true fulfillment. Every father wants the child to be even greater, to reach even greater heights than they do. So that, once we reach that stage when there's a child, so then the first two reasons, the first two things I'm supposed to remember aren't even as, aren't even as crucial. Only if a father takes upon himself the midos and the meisim that he wants to do. The school will educate my child. As long as the value system that the school teaches, it doesn't really matter what I do at home. It says of Yosef Nechemia, there's nothing farther from the truth. Right? A, a school has to partner with the parents in order to be able to together bring to fruition all of the qualities, the potentials of the, of the child. Using all of this, says of Yosef Nechemia, now we can understand the Psukim of Ephraim and Menashe and Yosef Atzadik. Yosef, as we know, was very successful and he had tremendous Yitzharas all around him. So throughout his life, he focused <coughs> both on Yemei Onyo, what's the Lashen? Ki Ephrani Hashem, uh, first blessing. He first focused all these years on his amal, on his lowliness, on his earlier stages, when he was in the pit and when he was being sold by his brothers. He remembered that. And he remembers it wasn't himself. It wasn't he who brought him up. And also, I remembered my father. I remembered I needed him to help me when I was with Ashish Potiphar. That's why that Pasuk is first. Menashe, because that historically came first. That's what I've done up till now. But now I have a child. So you know why I'm going to be steadfast in my ways now, says Yosef? Because. Because now I have children in my house. And now I have to make sure that I give them, I'm the proper role model for my children. On the left side. Up until now, until I had children. In order to be mischazik myself, I have to remember those two elements. Like he said earlier, Now that I have a child, 
This is going to be the greatest motivational factor. Hopefully, this is the greatest motivational factor for a parent that the child will follow everything that the parent does. And therefore, Yosef earlier was focusing focused on Amali and Beit Avi, but now it's a new stage in Yosef's existence. The motivational factor will be Efrani Elokim Be'eretz Anhi. Good. That's the message of Yosef and the children that was born that were born to him in Mitzrayim. Okay, let's now focus on the words of Rabbi Yeruchim. The words of Rabbi Yeruchim, which will give us an insight into a little bit, like we spoke about last week, from the Al Shach Hakadosh, the actions of the brothers. Right? Much is discussed about the brothers' actions in these parshiyos, selling their brother. Says Rabbi Yeruchim. There's a diak in the Pasuk in our Parsha that refutes many. Many of those, so we'll see it inside, if you want to even look at the second paragraph of Rav Yerucham first in source number three. There are so many people who are looking to cause trouble, start opening up Parsha's Vayesha, Parsha's Miketz, and they say, you call these the Shifteka? You call these the holy brothers who have their names on the on the Choshen. <laughs> these brothers who take their younger brother, there's jealousy, there's hatred, and they read it on the surface as these aren't they weren't these were not Sadiqim. How can you call these people Sadiqim? There was some type of hate there, but as we said last week, sometimes we relate it to our type of hate. And that is very inappropriate. And says Rabbi Yerucham, you learn that we have to have a different attitude from one Pasuk in our Parsha. Which, if you think about it a little in depth, it's very difficult until the Svarno comes along and lights up our eyes. The Pasuk says, when the brothers are in Parak Membez, Pasuk Chaf Aleph now, Membez Chaf Aleph. What is Yosef hiding? Again, as the Egyptian ruler tell them, if it's true, if it's true what you're saying, I want to see your little brother. I want to see this so-called binyamin that you say is in your house. You bring him down, so then you can get food next time. What is? The, what do the brothers then say? All of a sudden, they feel bad. You know why this is happening to us? Because we're at fault. For our brother. What would you expect the pasuk today? Because we sold him. Because look what we did. What does it say? He cried to us and we didn't listen. How could we be such such terrible people? We didn't have Rachmanus on him. And they claim responsibility. This is why this Sarah is happening to us. Because we didn't have Rachmanus. Ask the Svarno. Source number four, then we'll come back to your Yeruchim words. One of the great Rishon. Ask the Svarno. What does this Pasuk mean? They're not saying that, oh, we feel so bad that we, that we sold him. They didn't say that. They, don't, they didn't say we feel so bad that we sold him. What do they say? We feel so bad that we didn't have Rachmanis on him. In other words, they are not retracting on the sale. It sounds like they don't have, sounds like they don't have Rachmanis for not, for selling. They don't have Charata for the sale. They only have Charata for not listening to his to his um, to his cries. 
So why, how are we supposed to understand that? Let's see the words of the Svarno. Says the Svarno on our passage, then we see the Svarno on last week's parsha. Source number four. Bishano elena below shamanu. Vahainu achzarim neged achinu. We were stubborn and we clothed, we had a deaf ear to our brother. Afopisha chashavnuhu lerodef. The Svarno alludes to what he said in last week's parsha. You know why the brothers sold him? Because they felt that he was a rodate. They felt that he was endangering them. Many Mepharshim point out, and the Svarno says this is source number five. Historically, the brothers knew that there was always one that was sent out. Right? Yitzchak and Yishmael, Yishmael's out. Yaakov and Esav, Esav's out. So the brothers felt that Yosef was endangering them. And that he was saying Lashon Hara baselessly to their father. So they felt it was halachically required to do what they did. Says the, they were mistaken. But the mistake wasn't Stam, a bunch of Rashawn who were jealous. We have to understand the mistake, says the Svarno. On the, in source number five. Amar Shachashwas Yosef Alibam Nochalahamis. They thought they would, they thought they would, we, they would be allowed. To kill Yosef. And he wasn't out for their good. They misjudged the situation. That's what they did. But it wasn't as it appears on the surface. And we're not going into the, the depth of the Svarno's shot right now. But the Svarno says, amongst other Rishonim, that the brothers felt that Yosef was endangering them spiritually, physically, and that's why they did what they did. And even afterwards, and Rabbi Rucham will teach us the message about this in a minute, even afterwards, says Rabbi Rucham, we're still in source number three, that uh, the he did not, he did not have any, they didn't have any regrets related to the sale. They only had regrets related to, you know, maybe we should have showed a little more Rachmanis on him. Says Rabbi Rucham, what's the message though of the Svarno? We usually think, says Yerachim, we read these sukkim, how could the brothers do it? How could the brothers do it? But look what he says. The first paragraph in source number three. We see an amazing ha'ara here related to the brothers' actions. Even after everything that happens, they had to go down to Mitzrayim and... The, no food, and the Yosef was, speaks harshly to them. They did not retract at this stage about the sale. Why? Because they still felt that the sale was justified. They felt that halachically they did what HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have wanted them to do. If you look at it in this light, that was all Svar now. Now Rav Yeruchim comes in. If you look at it in this light, it's just the opposite of what we usually think. We usually think, oh, the brothers were, were, were sewn in, they were jealous, they hated, they hated Yosef, and how could they do such a thing? But according to the Svarno, says of Yeruchim, it's just the opposite. Because first of all, think about the brothers, their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather. What, they didn't have anything from Avram Avinu who bargained for stone? They didn't have anything from, from their, their, their mother, Rachel and Leah, who were so much there as nefesh for each other. Says Rav Yeruchim, obviously, it, right, the, the people who want to focus on the brothers don't think about Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov. And so Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Obviously, their midos came from somewhere. But what we have to think about and appreciate, says Rav Yeruchim, is as follows. Ulam, line 20. Be'inyam mechiras Yosef na'fuchu. 
It's just the opposite. We have to be amazed. These brothers who had such love for each other, they got it from Avram Yislav and Yaakov. They must have had love for each other. And yet, when they saw that halachically this is what they need to do, they said, okay, this is what we need to do. We have to overcome our feelings of, of sitna against our brother and do what a Kodesh Baruch would want us to do. Ki al-af kol zihi rusam ha-norah b'negiyas kaladam im b'mamono kol shekein b'nafsho al-af ki avaz kol avazam ha-norah b'chaladam and yet, when it came to following the Dvar Hashem, this is what they have to do. It's reminiscent, says Rabbi Rucham, of the Chet Ego. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Mil Hashem Eli. And the Pasuk that alludes to the fact that the Levim had killed their, their, their cousins. They killed their cousins of the Chet Ego. How did they do that? The answer is, says Rabbi Rucham, because the Dvar Hashem is the Dvar Hashem. And when they had to do it, they had to stand up against the old Yavod Zara. That's what they had to do. Says Rabbi Rucham, that's the message that we get from the brothers. Not that they were achzariim against Yosef. But Rabbi Rucham stands everything on his head. They had to overcome their natural feelings for their brother and follow the Dvar Hashem even though it was an Aksari thing to do. And that's the only thing that they're questioning at the end of the day. They're not questioning the sale because they felt halachically justified. That was their mistake. They weren't halachically justified. But it wasn't stam hatred. It was overcoming their natural tendencies in order to do what they thought HaKadosh Baruch Hu would want them to do. Again, you have to work this out with all of the psukim earlier of the in Vayeshev and Mikates throughout the story. But this is Rabbi Rucham's Suggestion based on the words of the of the Svarna. Okay, moving right along. Says the Pasik now in Membez and Memgimel. The brothers come back, and the only way they're going back is taking Binyamin. The food runs out, and Perak Membez, Pasik Lama Zion, the first one to make the offer is Ruvain. Ruvain says, Yaakov, Abba. Send them with me. My two sons could die if I don't bring Binyamin back. So Yaakov says, what are you crazy? They're my grandchildren too. What, what kind of offer is that? Reuben tries. Yaakov says, nothing doing. So they don't go. A parak later. Parak mem gimel. Pasik ches. Yehuda. Vayomer Yehuda el Yisrael aviv. Shulchanari tiv in akum Give him to me. Give him to me. I'll take care. V'nichya v'lonamus gamanachnu gamata gamtapenu. Yaakov, Abba, give him to me. Anochi e'ervenu miyadi tevakshenu. I am being arevanim imloa v'yosev ilecha v'yisakti l'fanecha v'chatasi l'cha kalayamim. Ruvain's offer is not accepted by Yaakov Avinu. I'll, I'll, I'll take him. Yehuda's offer is accepted. Many of the Mepharshim are bothered. What's the difference? Yes, Reuven had this unusual line of offering his two sons, which is, which is um, difficult to understand. Again, there's a lot written about it. But he makes some type of offer that he'll take Binyamin, Yaakov does not accept. Only after Yehuda says, I'll take him, he accepts. What's the root difference between Reuven's offer and Yehuda's offer? And as we mentioned last week, throughout these Parshios, there's, there's the competition, so to speak, of who's going to be the leader. Ruvain and Yehuda. They both act by the pit. They both act here. Yehuda is the one that's accepted. 
What's the difference? What did Yehuda do? Says Rav Chaim Shmulevitz one word. And that one word is the basis for Malchus. And that's what allowed Yehuda, starting from this story, even earlier with Peretz, that's what allowed him to be the Melech. And what is that one word? Anochi Ervenu. Arvus. Responsibility. Jewish leadership is about accepting responsibility. Somebody just makes a threat and if, yeah, I'll take him without accepting responsibility, that's not an offer. Yehuda says, Anochi Ervenu Miyadi Tevachenu. Arvus. Says the Sichas Musar of Chayshvulevitz, the source number six, line seven. V'yesh l'sho la'achar shalokibo Yaakov avinu divrei Ruvain ma'arab divrei Yehuda shkibo biyadas dvoro. If he didn't want Binyamin to go, he didn't want him to go. How did he? How was he convinced? How was he convinced by by Yehuda? V'nira line eight, line nine. She'ikar Yehuda shal Yehuda bazeh hu b'midas achrayuso. It's his responsibility. He said, it's on me. He's ready to lose his entire Olam Azeh and Olam Haba. Taking responsibility for Binyamin. That's what he says. Right? Chazal say, that means forever. Somebody takes responsibility. Okay, Yaakov says... I'm ready. I'm ready. And the Tosefta says in Mesechus Brachos, line 17, There were four great rabbis talking, and they all were discussing, why was Yehuda Zochef for Malchus? Why did it come from him? And they all give a different reason. Number one, because, Hodel Betamar. Right, he, he was Modeh. In last week's parsha. Tzadka Mimani. No, number two is because he saved Yosef from death. No, why are we killing him? Third opinion, right, humility. Take me, Yosef, instead of my brother. Next week's Parsha. And Rabbi Akiva says, Vilo Arevhu, shall Arev, de Arvuso. Rabbi Akiva says at the end of the day, it's the responsibility, which might be the basis of all the other actions. But it's the responsibility. It's that through all of these offers of save my brother, of save the, save the, take me instead at all the different stages, he took responsibility. And once that occurred, by, by the chait of Yehud and Tamar, he said, it's me. Responsibility, that is what makes that is what makes a Jewish leader. And he even says beautifully, just ending off, turning over, he quotes another Gemara in, in Baal Basra, but I just wanted to do with you an amazing deek that he has in a Mishnah in Perkiavos. In the end, in source number seven, Mishnah Perkiavos, we all know, tells us on the top, What are the midos that we have to make sure to stay away from? What are the midos that we need to stay away from? All different opinions given in the Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Ayin Ra'a. Evil eye, looking at people in a, in a certain way. Ayin Ra'a. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Chavara. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Shachin Ra'a. Bad friend, bad neighbor. All of these are very understandable. They are general midos about outlooks on others, outlooks on the world. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Halove Ve'eno Mishalem. Somebody who borrows and does not pay back. 
That's the midarosh yisrachik mimena ha'adam. Yes, it's such an obvious question. The others in the Mishnah, we understand, they're general, they're not specifics, they're general outlooks that affect our entire life. An ayin ra, chaver ra, shachin ra. Those are general. If I, if I don't, if I borrow and don't pay, that's a hashkafa, a mida that I have to stay away from. Mishnah Zuin Osekis Bechatoim, Yasrof Chaim Shrolevitz. This Mishnah isn't about speci- uh, little details of Averis. Ela Bederech Rashi Yisrachik Mimenahadam. But it's about a general derech. Vainu derech hamakiva v'kolel says chayv shaladam. They're general hashkafas that I have to stay away from. It says of Chaim Shrolevitz, that is a general hashkafa. If somebody is not a ne'eman, a responsible person, to fulfill what he promised to do, that's an undermining, pernicious attitude of Avodah Hashem. Yehuda promises and he fulfills. Anochi Arvenu, and when it stands, when he has to stand up in the beginning of Ayigash, he takes responsibility. That's what he. That's a leader, and that's we all have to be leaders, and that's why it's in that Mishnah. Lova veinu mishalem. It's that. That's a symptom. If somebody borrows and doesn't pay back. That's a symptom of somebody who doesn't take responsibility for his actions. He says he's going to do something and he doesn't do it. Right, this is something that is very foreign to the society we live in today. Our society today is about privileges, not about responsibilities. What's in it for me? Right. Well, the second that there's something difficult, there's something. The second that I have to, I have to push. It's not easy. In all areas, whether it comes to learning, whether it comes to our jobs, whether it comes anything in life, it's all about what's, what's in it for me. But we learn from this mission in Pirkei Avos, and we learn it from Yehuda, that the Jewish attitude has to be, you know, what do I have to do? How can I be an Arev? What's my responsibility in this regard? And that's what Yaakov detected in the words of Yehuda as compared to Reuven. Yehuda is ready to take responsibility. And that's David HaMelech, and that is what is needed to be the leader that Yaakov knew he needed in Yehuda. <coughs> okay, moving right along. Let's go now, a couple of thoughts at the end of the Parsha. A couple of thoughts at the end of the Parsha. As we know, Binyamin is on the, is on the, uh, comes into the picture. Remember last year we discussed the age of Binyamin, or of Rivlin, Binyamin sounds like a baby. You read the Parsha, he sounds like he's a little kid. He was not, right? He was a little younger than Yosef. And Yosef at this time, right? He was, he was in his 20s. Yosef, Yo, Yosef, um, Binyamin was not a, a youngster. So we discussed that last year. But we have a Pasuk towards the end of the Parsha where Yosef tells his servant, in Perek, Memdalid, Pasuk Dalid, let my brothers go out and when they get a little distance, go, go get them back and to start screaming at them, they went out of the city. They didn't go too far. Bring them back. So there's a medrash plea on this pasuk. What's a medrash plea? There's no medrash called medrash plea. Medrash plea just means a medrash where you have two things put together in the medrash and they seem to have nothing to do with each other. You're like, what is the medrash trying to tell me? Plea is a, is a wonder, amazing. So the medrash plea says, it's brought in the Yalkut, beginning of source number eight. They went a little out, and Yosef sends back to them. Yosef Amar Lashal Beisok Kumredov Achrei Anashim Kamada Atamar 
Rachok yebeinechem uveino ka'alpayim ama. They went out, but they didn't reach 2,000 amos yet. That's the Medrash. They went out, they didn't go so far out, and Yosef quickly, before they reached 2,000 amos, Yosef says, go, bring them back. He gives specific instructions to his servants. Go bring them back. The question is, 2,000 amos, we know, we know 2,000 amos outside of cities. What does that conjure up in our mind? Tchum Shabbos. Tchum Shabbos, the distance they ought to go out of on Shabbos. What does Tchum Shabbos have to do with Yosef sending his brothers out and they didn't go outside of Tchum? What's going on here? That's the question. So says the Chanukah Satorah, the Rebbe of Heschel, the Rebbe of the Shach and the Taz, one of the greats, a sharp, classic Rebbe of Heschel thought, Tamua, he says line 6, right? what, what's the connection between 2,000 Amos and Yosef sending out his, his brothers and getting them back before they went out? The Yesh Lafari says, well, line 7, we know earlier in the parsha, the pasuk says on tefach That is one of the sources for Kavit Shabbos. The Gemara darchens on that pasuk earlier in the parsha when the brothers come in and Yosef prepares a feast for them. The pasuk says tefach The Medrash says that was erev Shabbos. It was Friday afternoon, and Yosef was preparing a meal for Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Halya, ve'in v'hachin el l'Shabbos, v'haya b'yom Hashishi. So it was Erev Shabbos. So one second, says the Rebbe Reb Heshel, if on Erev Shabbos they had this meal and they stayed over, the pasuk says they left in the morning. They went back in the morning. So they left, going back to Canaan, Shabbos morning. The brothers are allowed to do that. Shabbos morning. How could they leave? V'yish l'hakshos line twelve. Im kain l'fizeh. How they leave Shabbos morning? Right? If the Chazal tell us that Friday afternoon there, Yosef was busy preparing the ever Shabbos meal. So Shabbos morning is when they left. How were the brothers allowed to leave? So what's the answer? What what must be the reason they were able to leave? Sakana Safashis. Pikuach Nefesh, Yaakov has no food. They had to get back to Canaan as soon as possible. V'tzarech Lomar, line 16 on the right. Ki pikuach nefesh ha-yasham. Di Yaakov u'b'nei beso hayatufim barav. They were starving. U'pikuach nefesh doches ha-shabbos. Pikuach nefesh doches ha-shabbos. That's why they they were on their way back. They were allowed to leave. They had to get the food as quickly as possible. You couldn't leave at night because you couldn't travel in the desert at night. That itself was dangerous. So they stayed over early in the morning. Shabbos morning they left. They're going out. Wonderful. So we just explained the, the, the brother's actions. But now, the pendulum swings back to Yosef. So how did Yosef... Yosef knew that they were leaving. Yosef Yosef realized that the brothers left and they were going back and was Shabbos. So what did Yosef do? He called them back. How did Yosef call them back in? If Yosef saw them leave on Shabbos morning... And he must, Yosef, remember, he knew, remember the halacha, even remembers halachas of Egla Rufa. So Yosef realizes they must have left only because of Bikoch Nefesh, because of the father, because of his father. So how was he able to call them back? And further endanger his father's life. Achatayin kasha in the middle column, Yosef. Halo hikiris echav, shaholchu b'shabes. Ubevade achiv lochilu as a Shabbos, and lohaya bikoch nefesh. If they left, Yosef thinks to himself, it must be there's no food left in the house, in the tent of Canaan. So how is Yosef able to call them back? Hechtsiva Yosef lahachziram. Velochafal abiv ubedei beso shayatufim barav. 
So says the Chanukah Satora, the punchline, it must be the other line in Rashi. Remember Rashi says earlier, Lamotisro, Yaakov Avinu says, you have to go get food, but also, Chazal say, Rashi quotes it, they might have had some food at that time. Yosef was worried about the future. Yaakov was worried about the future. And Yaakov was worried that if they have food, the other people around that don't have food are going to come start attacking them. Because they're the only ones. They were very rich. Yaakov and Yitzchak. So Yosef suggests the Chanukah Torah wasn't 100% sure why the, why the brothers were allowed to leave. They left. It was Shabbos morning. Maybe it was Bikuach Nefesh, and they left. Maybe it was just because it was the morning. They were in an Egyptian palace. They couldn't stay here. Check out was 9 o'clock in the morning. So they had to leave. But then, if they would have left then, not because of Bikuach Nefesh, they wouldn't have violated Shabbos. Meaning, they wouldn't have gone out of 2,000 hours. So Yosef says to himself, I'm going to have a test case. If they left already and there was Pikuach Nefesh and my father's really starving, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep going no matter what. But if they don't go out of 2,000 Amos, Tchum Shabbos, so then I'll know they only left because, you know, checkout in my palace is now, but they're waiting there to lift their Shabbos. What does he tell his servant? Go to see within the 2,000 Amos. The Hine line, the left side. Yosef Ratza Lavo, Yosef Ratza Lavo, Allah Emes, Im Yeshba Besam Tvuolo, Veza Tam Shalomatisro, he wants to see. They didn't look starving to him, so he wanted to know what the reason was, why they left. Go check the 2000 Amos limit, the Gvul, and see what exactly is, is, the, is the state of the brothers. If he's Bikoch Nefesh, so then they're going to keep going, and you know what? He tells the servant, don't stop them. It's only because they didn't go past 2000 Amos and they were waiting there. That's the Medrash Plia. They went, Hachik Los Hachiku, what does that mean? Within 2000 Amos. Because that's what showed, what tipped Yosef off, that it wasn't really Bikoch Nefesh for the father, and the Melah, he was able to bring them back. That's what's called the Harifus Chanukah Satar explaining the Medrash, the Medrash Priya. Okay, one final thought related to the Parsha before we end off with a thought related to Chanukah. Okay, the question is, asked by two of the Achronim, which we're about to have, why specifically did Yosef put his goblet, his kos, in, Yosef, in Binyam's knapsack? Could have put anything. He could, could have put a ring, could have put uh, money, extra money, could have put anything. Why, Dafka, did Yosef pick the gavia, the gavia that, the gavia that was that uh, that was was known as the what he learnt, looked at uses to see the future? So why exactly the gavia? Question one. And if you look in the pasuk, there's another. The pasuk says after Yosef confronts them. Yosef, all the way at the end of the parsha, after Maftir. Mom, what is this action that you did? Hello, Yidatem. Yosef tells his brothers, Don't you know that I could tell the future? Don't you know that about me? Who are you kidding? You're taking my, my crystal ball, you're taking my goblet. I know how to tell the future. Is there a deeper meaning to this Pasik? He's just trying to, oh, trying to trying to get the brothers. He framed the brothers. But why Dafka did he put the item that he tells the future with into their knapsack? Very interesting. Two suggestions given. One by the Aznaim LaTorah, and then we'll see another one. Says suggestion of Sarotskin in the Aznaim LaTorah that he heard this from a friend of his. 
that he says the brothers, line five, Remember the, the famous question that they asked Hanukkah time. If there were snakes and scorpions in the pit, so how they throw them there? It's the same thing like killing them. So suggests some, the Zayma Torah amongst them, that maybe they thought Yosef had special powers. Special magical powers. You know, we think he's, he's a show-off. We think, right, they, they want to kill him directly. How they throw him into the pit with snakes and scorpions? So one answer given: it was a deep pit, more than twenty amos. That's the Rashi of Hanukkah. They didn't see Ella. But another suggestion is they thought he was a necromancer or something of that sort that had powers against snakes and scorpions and able to ward them off. And that's why, you know what? Yosef, if God wants to help you out and save you with all your powers, wonderful. We'll throw you in there because you have all of these powers. Says Yosef in this parsha. What does he say? Hello, you got them! You knew! You know that I'm a Menachesh. What's he alluding to? He's not saying he, what do you mean you know? You know because I'm the king of Egypt. No, you knew then when I was 17 years old. When you threw me in the pits, you knew that then. So what are you busy taking my goblet now? A much hidden meaning in the Pasuk. Hello, Nachesh, Nachesh, you know when you threw me into the pit that the only way I wasn't going to be killed was based on the fact that I was a Menachesh. Number one suggestion. The other suggestion is given by a contemporary savior, the Minchas Michal. We've quoted from this before. Also, alluding back, that this Pasuk is alluding back and hearkening back to the earlier, Halo Nachesh Yenachesh. Yosef, in this Pasuk, it's kind of opposite of the Shat that we just said. The Azayim Torah has said that this is part of the Musr that he's giving them. He's giving them Musr. Ultimately, it'll all, it doesn't click in their minds now. But it's going to click, right? When he says in next week's parsha, it's all going to click. But, says the Menachas Michal, it's kind of opposite. Yosef in this Pasuk is explaining to the brothers his actions of old. In what way? Right, uh, 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 one line got cut off, so I wrote it in. After everything that happened with Yosef, and he's trying to be over them for tshuva, and he sees they're having charata. Yosef wants to be mamed them. That his dreams were true. And they hated him for nothing. And that's why he puts the goblet in. Why? What was the whole beginning? They hated him because of his dreams and what he tried to say. Yosef is telling them, it was a nevuah. It wasn't me. It was the future that Hashem is telling me. I wasn't out to hurt you. And that's why he gave them the gevia. I know the future. What are you taking the Gavia? That's what he says. Hello, you dot them. Chomar Yodeya Anias Anistaros Fitzovesoasidos. I know the future, whether it's from a Kaddish Baruch Hu earlier in my life or from this Gavia now. A Kaddish Baruch Hu helps me out. But it's Yosef explaining to the brothers: This is the power that Hashem gave me. So that's why originally I wasn't out to get you. I didn't want to just make your life miserable. 
but this is the Koach HaKadosh Baruch who gave me. Then, in the jail, with the Saramashim and Sarofim, and now with the Gavia. That's the message he's giving. The Gavia symbolizes the power of seeing the future. Yosef is saying, Hashem gave me that power. And it's not because I want to push you down, but it's purely because I want to bring you now to realize what the message of my actions really were. Okay. Two final thoughts related to Hanukkah. Let's finish this off before this Shabbos Hanukkah. One is just a connection of both. Connection of both Shabbos, Hanukkah, Vamikates, and and the Hanukkah, and then finally one purely on Hanukkah. If you look in the Hagyonah Shel Torah, source number 11, he points out that we say two phrases in al We say, Rabim Biyad Miyatim, Rabbi Sion Fira, one of his uh, sets of Svarim. We say, Rabin Biyan Miyatim, Hashem gave the many in the hands of the few, and Chawashim Biyad, in the language of the Alanisim, uh, Alanisim, I was just uh, quoted to you, the um, Alanisim, we say, the Lashon is, just to quote it, Matati Giborim Biyad Chawashim, Verabin Miyatim. The great in the hands of the weak, and the many in the hands of the few. After Rabbi Siyam Fuhrer, well, even before that, there are two dreams that we have in this week's Parsha, putting that together with the dreams in last week's Parsha. And then we'll talk about these two. Bederach HaTeva, let's start at source 11. Nimsarim chaloshim biyad giborim umiyatim biyad rabim. V'yilu bederach neis yishvi giborim nimsarim biyad chaloshim rabim nimsarim biyad miyatim. Which is a greater neis, if we would ask ourselves? Rabim biyad miyatim or giborim biyad chaloshim, which is greater, that a, mil, a, a thousand people fall into the hand of ten, or that the strong in the hand of the weak. Lachora says, Rabbi Zion Fuhrer, the strong in the hand of the weak. Because you can have a few very strong people. So it's still a nace, rabbi But a greater miracle, and that's why it's first in the phrase, we thank Hashem first, is giborim biyad chaloshim. That's a greater miracle. Even naturally. Sometimes you have a smaller army, but it's a stronger army. Right? They have greater weapons. But, that's a total miracle. And that's why, this is step one, says the Messiah Fuhrer, that's why in Alanisim we see Gibor Chalashim first, because that's the Iker, the Iker Hanes. Says Ravintian Fuhrer, Chanukah, as we know, symbolizes a nace in Galus. The story of Yosef and his brothers is the beginning of a Jew in Galus. The Jews in Mitzrayim. There were two dreams before they went to Mitzrayim. There were Yosef's dreams in last week's Parsha and Paro's dreams in this week's Parsha. Yosef's dreams symbolize Rabin Biyad Miatim. Right? One, one stalk swallowing up, right, right? Everybody bowing down to that stalk. Not, not swallowing. Right? One constellation, the sun and the moon and the stars all bowing down. That is Rabin Biyamiyatim. The 11 to 1. And then we have Paro's dreams, which symbolize Gimborim Biyad Chalashim. The fat cows getting swallowed up by the skinny cows. The healthy sheaths being swallowed up by the skinny sheaths. As we go into Gullus, the first Gaulus, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is already alluding to us 
the Nisan that he's going to perform for us throughout our years of Gaulus. Maybe even, it's not a coincidence as we know, that Miketz is always Shabbos Hanukkah. When we read about Paro's dream of Giborim Biyad Chalashim, that's the Nase of Hanukkah. Oh, it's already in place. Paro, the arch enemy, the first dictator that we had in Gaulus. He was the first leader, the first enemy leader of Am Yisrael in Gaulus, Mitzrayim. That is the prototype of all Golios. In the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu already pre-programs it. That Giborim Biyad Chalashim Paro, it's already bothering you. But you know what? That's what's going to happen throughout history. Throughout history, there's going to be Giborim Biyad Chalashim Ad Hayom Hazeh until today in the state of Israel as we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects us. Rabbi Biyad Miyatim. Yes, that's true. But Giborim Biyad Chalashim is an even greater miracle that we have Miketz and Chanukah. Finally, one final thought to share with you. It's a beautiful thought that I saw in the, uh, in the um, Yeshivat Haaretzion. Gush puts out, there's a third one that came out already, Svarim, all about the Moadim called Be'er Miriam. So they put one out about Shavuos already. The third one just came out on Hanukkah. So there's an article there from Rav Amital, Svarim Lavracha. And he says there, if you look at the Rambam, very famous words of the Rambam, the last source, source number 12. Beginning of the Rambam in Hilchas Hanukkah, the Rambam tells us history. Very unusual. The Rambam only in a few places in Mishnah Torah tells us history. Beginning of Hilchas Abadazara, Hilchas Ishus, and right here, Hilchas Hanukkah. Besides these, you know, very uncommon. The fact that the Rambam puts history into Mishnah Torah means it's a halachic. The, Rambam is not a, the Rambam, Mishnah Torah is not a history book. If he puts history in, it's because the history influences the halacha. So the Rambam tells the story of Hanukkah, which, by the way, he does not do for Purim. The Rambam doesn't tell the story of Purim in Hilchah's Megillah. Only Hanukkah. The Greek empire and government, they were Gozerzeros, they were Mavatel, us from doing the mitzvos, and they went into the Heichal, and they were Matami, the Besa Migdash. The whole discussion of the, of the Tsaras. And finally, line 12, The Chashmonaim were able to become victorious. And they appointed a king. Look at the last two lines of the Rambam. And Jewish autonomy returned to the Jewish people for at least more than 200 years until Churban Bayesheni. Right, and that was the last time we had autonomy. Right, until, until our day. The Chazar Machas Li Yisrael. Answer Vamital. What's so special? Why does the Rambam have that included in the Nase of Hanukkah? That we got our autonomy back. We had a Jewish government in place and we were able to live as Jews. Malchus returned. It wasn't such a great Malchus. As we know, historically, thinking about the Malchus of the Chashmonoim, and the Ramban discusses this in Parshas Vayechi, Eventually, they all died out. They weren't the greatest tzaddikim as time went along. So what is the emphasis? The Rambam says, this is what we're giving Havel Vahodah for? This is what? And he says, and you look in Rav Kook. Rav Kook writes on line 38, he quotes, there are different levels of the Jews returning to Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kook writes on line 40. The ultimate highest level of a, of a Jewish government in, in Eretz Yisrael is one that's based on Torah and based on, both based on, uh, 
halacha ain't safek shes chazon zelo tamis malchus achashmonaim. It's for sure that this dream of Rav Cook did not take place in the time of the chashmonaim. Right? It wasn't based on based on Torah and halacha and lufachopi ame hamucharim. Surely the later days, maybe originally it started, but as time went on, there wasn't. But we celebrate malchus chashmonaim. So why does the Ramba put it in? Why is it something to celebrate? You know what you see from here, says Ramital? That the Chiyav of Halal Vahoda'ah, we don't have to have the ultimate end result, the greatest Mashiach coming. Just having a life in Eretz Yisrael where a Jew can live as a Jew, even if the government is not perfect, that's Mechaev Halal Vahoda'ah. And he brings an unbelievable Raya. It's a Pasuk that we all know, but we just don't think about the Pasuk. The Navi Zechariah tells us in Perechas, we all know the Pasuk, Koramar Shem Tzvakos, describing the days of Geula, describing when Mashiach comes. Line 13, Yerushalayim. A day will come when the, the seniors will sit on the benches of Yerushalayim. And I'll be walking with this cane. And there'll be kids playing in the streets. Yes, Rav Amital. That's, that's a vision of, of Geula that we yearn for? Kids playing in the street and, and, and seniors taking walks and sitting on benches. That's the, that's the eschatological vision, the future? Says Rav Amital, yes. Because normal, regular life in Yerushalayim is Geula. It's not the full Geula. We daven for more Geula. But even just being able to function in Yerushalayim, in Eretz Yisrael, that is Mechaev HaVodah, and that's a message that we learn from Hanukkah. And that's why the Rambam puts it into Mishnah Torah. The Chazra Malchus Yisrael. What kind of Malchus was it? It wasn't the greatest Malchus, but you know what? It was a Malchus, and we have tremendous Akaras HaTov, Takarish Baruch for that Malchus. Yes, davening for more. Says Rav Amital, that's why it's in the Rambam, and that's what we learn now from the Pasuk of Zechariah. And Baruch Hashem, we have to have tremendous HaKoraz HaTov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when Bizman HaZeh in our day, which did not happen 70 years ago. There weren't children playing in the streets of Yerushalayim freely. There weren't Zekenim Zekenos sitting on benches in Yerushalayim. But Baruch Hashem, we are Zochet to have it today. And he continues, quotes the Machlur Menachem Zemba before the war, who discussed... The issue of going to Eretz Yisrael, not going to Eretz Yisrael, and he says, somewhat history kind of told us what should have happened then. Rahman al-Islan. What could have happened if, you know, and now Eretz Yisrael representing a safe haven for all Jews. And we have to recognize, line four in the middle of the next page, Medina Yisrael, Af em'ein hi leis ata or lagayim. Yes, it's not in the stage of an or lagayim in the full, in the full sense of the word. Uh, a country based on Torah and halacha. You want a homeland? One is able to go to the homeland today. Imagine, as has been pointed out, if there was a, a country, a Jewish homeland that could open its borders before World War II. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not deem it appropriate for then. But right now, we have to appreciate the message of Hanukkah, says Rav Amital, is to teach us that every little stage of Geula is something that we have to have tremendous HaKaras for and recognize that it is a stage of Geula. Okay, we'll stop here. As Rabbi Shabbat, Chanukah Sameach. Next week, we'll continue again. Hopefully, we'll be back on Wednesday night. Next week, Parshas Vayigash.